So I got to be honest with you today that this sermon I know is going to look different and it's going to feel different and I might not even use any of my notes. So I'm a little scared. You guys ever been scared? Everybody just look up at me and just come on, help me right now and say, don't be scared. Um, I was struggling with what to preach and we're in this sermon series right now called Where Are You? And we had wrapped up that series last week. But by the, by the way, how many of you here were Pastor, Pastor Joey Gordon's message? Was that awesome? So listen, you guys want to hear a God thing? I love God things. So I'm watching Pastor Joey's message on Thursday night because I was preaching in Cortland last week. And it just so happens that a missionary sent me a letter and reminded me, he said, I have a word for you. And he wrote down Genesis 50, the exact verse that was in the message. And he's, repeat, he's giving his message and he's like, I just want to conclude the message with this. Who knows that these trials, these things haven't happened to you for the saving of many lives. And I hit, I hit Danielle, I'm like, I just got that verse today on a letter, it was crazy. Anybody ever just have God just blow your mind and you're like, how does he do that? I don't know. I really, I don't know, but I just love that about God. But I'm going to pray again because I really, I really want you guys to hear me today. I always want you to hear the word of the Lord, but I know it's going to challenge you. I know at some point in this message, you will likely be offended. You've been warned. Tell your neighbor you've been warned. Now, I want you to know, if you know me well, and so many of you do, I'm not that preacher type that uh, my goal is not to offend you because that's just silly, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to impress you or, uh, you know, look offensive as if to look strong or whatever. My goal is just to preach the word of God and say exactly what the Holy Spirit tells me to say. And uh, someone confirmed that on Thursday as I was praying through this message. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer and maybe open your hand like this, if you will. And let's just go to the Lord again. God, we want to pray like David prayed. If there's anything in our heart that doesn't belong there, we ask you to remove it. If there's fear in our heart, if there's worry about the future and there's tension and anxiety and things that you said you took for us, we ask you to take it out. Can you just say those words with me? Say, take it out. We fix our eyes on you today and your word, and we ask you to have your way in Jesus' name. And everyone said? So my heart is just heavy lately with um, the constant uh, demands in our culture. It's just heavy. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody just, I don't have to give you any news today to tell you like our culture is in constant chaos, right? How many of you were driving here today and maybe it, the fog lifted by the time you got in your car, but when I was dri driving here, there was a lot of fog. Did anybody drive through fog this morning? Almost everybody. I was driving, I'm like, this is like the, the world today. It's foggy. And it's harder and harder uh, to see clearly through that fog. And this week I was asking the Lord, how do we find courage to um, 
to be who you've called us to be, Lord, and to always respect authority, to always respect authority, but to also uh, stand by your convictions because that's a, a, a fine line. I think Jesus did that well, right? How many guys think Jesus respected authority? He said, yeah, give to Caesar with Caesar's. And then there was times when he broke the law, right? He heals the leper. You can't touch the leper. He touched the leper. You can't eat wheat on the Sabbath. He eats wheat on the Sabbath and gives it to his, uh, gives it to his disciples, some of you already are tense. Just, just go like this. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Go like this. Just flop off that anxiety right now. Look at your friend. Look at your neighbor. Say, he loves you. He's really nice. Go ahead. Now, actually, I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about me. I, I love you, and I'm, I'm very nice. But Jesus is too. But, yeah, okay, sit down. How do we find courage and how do we always do the right thing? Is this just me and Danielle? Is anybody else with me on this? You're like, I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing for my kids. I want to do the right things for my, my parents, my grandkids or my relatives. I want to respect authority. But I want to do the right thing. And sometimes it's hard to know, and I want to tell you, I'm going to repeat something throughout this sermon I don't want you to miss. Finding courage in a world of compromise comes only through prayer. Let me say this again. If you're taking notes, this is what you're going to hear the whole day. Finding courage in a world of compromise comes only through prayer. I want to say this too. No matter what I say today, be careful not to read between the lines. Don't make assumptions of what I am saying. You guys realize that's, that's not a good thing. Take what I'm saying to heart and, uh, and, yeah, just hear me. One of the best devotions my dad ever gave, I remember in a staff meeting, I, I was rereading my sermon this morning and, and I thought of this. It was one of my favorite things. If you want to follow Jesus' example, you have to be willing to be misunderstood. Isn't that a good line? If you want to follow Jesus' example, you have to be willing to be misunderstood. How many of you guys have ever been misunderstood? I mean, you're trying to do the right thing and somebody just totally reads it the wrong way. Anybody? Right? And sometimes you learn, you're like, oh, yeah, I could have said that better or I could have whatever. And, and then sometimes you're just plain misunderstood. Well, we're going to talk about the story of Daniel and how he found courage. And I just simply want to learn from Daniel's story because I believe, I really believe that we are in a time of Daniel. I really hope you hear me. I believe, not right this second, but I believe we're on the precipice of a Daniel moment, not in Kinsman, not in Cortland, not in Ohio, in the world. In the world. How many will just slip your hand up if you'll let your pastor talk to you today? Because I've been in a lot of prayer for this. I hope you... Hear me. We're in a Daniel time in the world where it gets increasingly harder to know what to do. Daniel is one of bravery. Daniel's story is one of bravery in Babylon. When it comes to integrity, no one in the Bible, at least to me anyway, stands out quite like Daniel does. King Nebuchadnezzar took the Israelites into captivity and they were exiled, taken into Babylon 
in 605 B.C., 605 B.C. So there were four world superpowers, and we'll talk about that, global empires or one-world governments, if you would. And the first one was King Nebuchadnezzar's, and that was of Babylon. So everybody say Babylon. So he's this king, and he's trying to take over all of Persia and all the world, and he actually destroys the Hebrew, he destroys the, uh, Israel's temple. Everybody say, that's bad. He destroys their temple, and he takes the Hebrews as slaves. Now, he keeps um, the, some of the slaves, uh, just a unique select bunch that were very smart intellectually. They had a cultural understanding. They were also very good looking. So pretty much like Tom right here. So anybody who's very smart, also philosophers and, uh, and, and good looking studs like my man Tom right here. So uh, you're welcome, Tom. Love you. Tom is single. His number is 330. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stay focused. Okay. <laughs> He's like, no, really? No. All right. So he takes them in and Daniel... Hear this, he knows who he is despite where he was. And we're going to come back to that theme. You need to know who you are no matter where you are. Daniel did not want to be there. And honestly, if me and you are writing the script, we would have said, and Daniel was rescued by a 30-foot angel. Come on, somebody. How many guys would have written, you know, that's not what happened. He actually served four kings there. And how did he serve them? He had this prophetic gift of dream interpretation, which I think is really cool. And so he's serving the king. And we're going to read this. And again, I really feel like I'm, I wrote down so much stuff that I feel like I want you to hear. But I, I also feel like we're supposed to just read. I was going to summarize a lot of it. Open up your Bibles to... To Daniel, I actually just had my sister run up to my office and grab my Bible because we're going to read a little more than I anticipated reading. Turn to Daniel 1. Daniel 1. Or if you're like me, you got your Bible app, you can just scroll to Daniel 1. So he is taken along with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, you know. And these four guys are taken in to serve in the palace. Skip down to verse 9 of Daniel 1. I want you to read this. God had given the chief official great respect for Daniel, but he was alarmed by Daniel's suggestion. Now, what was Daniel's suggestion? He said, I am not going to eat from the king's table. He had a conviction to stick to the diet of the Hebrew children. Now, keep in mind, he was told you have to eat this and you have to live here and you have to stop bowing down in prayer over here and you got to do this, you got to do that. And he said, hey, I respectfully ask you to let me eat. In fact, give me a little test. And in 10 days, if me and my friends eat only vegetables, uh, and we're going to come back, and this is not a sermon about, oh, Pastor Jordan told us all to become vegetarians. I told you they were a cult. No, that's not what I said. (laughs) Sometimes you get misquoted as a pastor. It happens. But he said, you know, we're just going to eat what we feel like God wants us to eat as Hebrew children. This is these vegetables. And in 10 days, if we don't, you know, if we look worse, then fine. But they came back and they actually ended up 
looking better. So he says in verse 12, test us for 10 days in a diet of vegetables and water. And at the end of the 10 days, if we look compared to the other men who are eating the king's food, then you can decide whether or not to let, let us continue eating our diet. If you look at verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier. All right. Now there was this three year training period where Nebuchadnezzar, you'll see in the rest, of, I'm just going to summarize the rest of the chapter, where they are learning the culture and they're learning um, the language and they're being forced even to change their name, but they keep their identity. And it is very hard, but they kept their identity as Hebrew children. And it reminds me of what Paul said, right? To be in the world, but not of the world. How many of you guys realize that you have a heavenly home? And we're going to get to this at the end of the message, so I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But you have a heavenly home. All right, so just me and Trevor got it. Anybody else? We, you have a heavenly home, and you're going there one day. And, and right now, this is just, this is just a little, little journey, a little detour. And you have to realize that. You have to remember that. And in days like this, uh, I'm reminding you. Of that. Now, go ahead to chapter 2. One night during the second year of his reign, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that disturbed him so much he couldn't sleep. He called his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers, philosophers, and he demanded that they tell him what he dreamed. And they stood before the king, and he said, I have had a dream that troubles me, all right, a nightmare. Tell me what I dreamed, for I must know what it means. Then the astrologers and everyone answered the king, long live the king, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. Right? He's like, no, that's not what I said. He said, you tell me the dream and if you don't, I will tear you limb from limb and burn down your houses. So he's a little grumpy. So this is the world superpower. Now, if you back up in the, in the book, you'll realize that it says that he had authority over every man that walked the earth. Come on, that's a lot of authority. That's the, wor that's the world's first one world government right there. Right? Does everybody see that? Because it said he had authority over every human that walked the earth. So, so he had all authority. Uh, you'll see later in the book, he's a bit of a narcissist. I mean, he creates a 90-foot statue to himself for the sake of intimidation and fear, and we'll come back to that in a minute. And yet, this man who is so strong is afraid of the dark. Come on, think about that. Dennis, think about that. This man who has said, I will be the, the ruler over all, has conquered city after city and town after town, overthrown government after government and made himself the ruler. He's scared of the dark. How many of you guys realize God did that to him? God gave him that. Do you know your rulers and kings, as much as I love and respect them all over the world, are humans just like you and me. They put their pants on one leg at a time. And that's the story of the book of Daniel. You're going to learn today, again, that every ruler and every king is a human just like me and you. And that they, just like me and you, will one day bow before the king of kings. All right? Man, I'm getting excited. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's only chapter 2. Listen, let, the, let, let it burn in the crock pot today. If you got, if you got food today, just forget it. You're fasting. You're all, you're all on a Daniel fast as of now. We got some carrots in the foyer. I'm just kidding. All right. 
Here we go. He said, I'm serious. I will tear you limb from limb. So he's psychotic. And the king says, I can see through your trick. You're trying to stall for time because you know I'm serious. If you don't tell me the dream, you will all be condemned to death. You've conspired to tell me lies. So there, there's a lot of craziness going on. He's also a bit paranoid, as you can see. The astrologer said to him, and you need to hear this, there is not a man alive who can tell you your dream. No king, however great, however powerful, has ever asked such a thing of every magician, enchanter, or astrologer. This is an impossible thing. Ever say impossible. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, nothing's impossible. Why do you think God put this dream in his head? Because God was also giving Daniel a dream interpretation gift. Come on, right? And it just so happens that Daniel is at the right place at the right time. And I hope you hear me. Some of you are struggling and you're hurting and you're wondering, why am I here? I want to tell you because God has you in the right place at the right time. At the right place at the right time. And I feel that even in my spirit, I'm going to prophesy again to my sister-in-law, Carrie. I know this is weird in the middle of a sermon. But Carrie, I'm telling you, you're in the right place at the right time, even though you're in a lot of pain. Hear me. You, even in the midst of your trial and your pain, who knows if God hasn't put you at the right place at the right time to declare his word. And so he is there in the palace and everybody's around him saying, there's nobody that can do that. The king was furious and he sent out orders to execute all of them. And because of the king's men, uh, because of the king's decree, they were sent out to find Daniel and his friends as he was one of the, the servants. And they perceived him as, a, as a, just a magician, even though we would call it a prophetic gift and a, a gift from the Lord. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel, Daniel, listen to this, handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Now, hold on. Let me grab my pencil. Let me just underline this. Wisdom and discretion. With wisdom and discretion. But then he asked. I know, Lonnie, I'm going to be all messed up today on the slides. I am so sorry. I warned, I warned Ryan. I said, I, I got a lot of passion in me today. I'm going to be all over the place. Craig's excited about me being all over the place. What do I want to say right now? I think a lot of times we disguise wisdom. We, we call it wisdom and really it's fear. I think we do that sometimes. I love what, what Bill Johnson said last week. A lot of people might call you wise, but you might not move a lot of mountains. And Jesus said, speak to the mountain and tell it to move. And a lot of times we say, well, I just want to be wise, so I'm not going to say anything. And really we're not saying anything because we're afraid. And sometimes we have let the spirit of fear take over us and we need to not let that happen. And everybody has to make decisions for their own and I think that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful when you make your own decisions. That's great. Your convictions are going to look different than mine. If you know me well, I, I celebrate that. It's one of the things I think God did in me as I traveled to all those different churches throughout the, the years, those tra uh, years of traveling 
uh, to Baptist churches and Presbyterian churches and Catholic churches. I saw that the body of Christ is panoramic. It's not SD and it's not even HD. It's panoramic. And there's things that you're going to believe and do that's different than me, but you, you, you serve Jesus as Lord. Jesus died for your sins. He rose from the dead, and, and we're going to heaven together. In fact, I think a lot of you are going to get up to heaven. You're going to be like, he's here too, you know? You know what I'm saying? Seriously, you're like, I didn't even like that guy. And Jesus is going to look at you like, oh, actually, he was right. So can we all approach this with a humble attitude? I love what my brother-in-law said this last week to me over dinner. He said, yeah, there's, you know, 80% I'm right and 20% I'm wrong on, and I don't know the 20% I'm wrong on. So can we all just take a humble approach today that God is challenging us and teaching us, and I want you to hear this. He wants to break the spirit of fear off of you because there is this gripping paralyzing fear that is on our nation. And it's like the fog that you drove through this morning. And Daniel, with wisdom and discretion, asked, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? And Arioch told him what had happened, and Daniel went and told his friends at, at verse 17, and they asked him to pray. Go ahead and put up that slide about prayer. Finding courage in a culture of compromise only happens through prayer. Finding courage in a culture of compromise only happens through prayer. Turn to your neighbor say prayer. Turn to your other neighbor say prayer. Daniel prayed. Now, some of, some of you, they're going to be challenged by this. He didn't storm the Capitol and put on a bullhorn. <laughs> Don't let me get started on that. I told you you're going to be offended. I warned you. Finding courage to defeat every fear comes from being filled with God's love, which comes from focusing on God more than your culture. How many guys realize his perfect love removes all fear? I can't tell you the number of times I've been the guest worship leader or the speaker at an event, and you can look at someone and see them gripped by fear. And you know what times I'll do? I'll go and I'll pray for them, and I won't say this or that about fear. I'll just say, God, fill them with your love right now. And next thing you know, tears, and they're smiling, and their countenance is brighter. Why? Love drives out fear. Let me say it again. Love drives out fear. Love drives out fear. So they prayed. And I want to put up this passage, Daniel chapter 2. And I think I have it on a slide starting. And it says, praise the name of God forever and ever. He alone has all wisdom and all power. It's verse 20 or 22. Yeah, thank you. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons, and he removes kings. Oh, wait a minute. He sets up kings. He gives wisdom. Does anybody else see that God is above all kings, above all thrones? And my hand can't get any higher, but come on. He's above it all. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might. 
and have given now may or have now made known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matter and i want you to hear this the whole point of the book of daniel is to teach us that god is supreme over all rulers and kings and authorities and that one day every knee will bow to him every knee This is what compelled Paul when they said, Paul, you have to stop preaching or we're going to put you in prison. He said, I'm sorry. I love you. You're awesome. I'll keep paying my taxes. Oh, I don't know who that was for. I felt a little Holy Spirit on that one. I'll keep paying my taxes. Look, but I have to keep preaching the truth. And they threw him in prison. Now what happened? Angel angel knocks open the prison gates, right? Pulls a Rambo, knocks him down. God delivers him. The whole point of the book of Daniel is to teach you and I, not just about courage, not just about prayer, but this idea that God is king over all. Over all, over every king, over every ruler, over every authority. Daniel interprets the dream. He says, don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king. By the way, did you hear that? He sets up the meeting. Can I just stop right there? He says, take me to the king. I'll explain it. Now, everybody just pause for a minute and answer me this question. Is David, or I'm sorry, is Daniel audacious and prideful? Or is he humble and courageous? Which is it? You see how sometimes we mess up the two? Remember preaching on David before I often say, he came out and what did his brother say? Who do you think you are? Go back to your sheep. He wasn't prideful, he was courageous. Why? He knew who his God was. His confidence was not in himself, in God. Take me to the king, I have the interpretation for the dream. Daniel replied, you're right, there is no wise men, enchanters, magicians, this is verse 27, fortune tellers, philosophers who can tell the king such things, but there is a God in heaven. Come on, there is a God in heaven. See how he gives the glory to God? There is a God in heaven, and I will tell you your dream. Your majesty, while you were sleeping, you dreamed about the coming events, and the real revealer of mysteries has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I am wiser than every living person and I know the secret of your dream. Notice that humility. He said, it's not because I'm smarter, not because I'm wiser, but because God wanted you to understand what you're dreaming about. Your majesty, in your vision, you saw in front of you a huge powerful statue, excuse me, of a man shining brilliantly, frightening and awesome. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were of silver. Its belly and its thighs were of bronze. Its legs were of iron, and its feet were a combination of iron and clay. But as you watched, a rock, a little stone, some, some translations say, was cut from a mountain by supernatural means. Everybody say Supernatural. It struck the feet of the iron and clay, smashing them to bits, and the whole statue collapsed into a heap of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. The pieces were crushed as small as chaff on a threshing floor, and the wind blew them away without a trace. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the earth. Can you picture that? Come on. The, that was the dream. 
Now, Nebuchadnezzar's gone, how does he know the dream? Right? Nebuchadnezzar's like, how does he know? I mean, that's specific. Guys, that's specific. A huge statue of gold, of bronze, of silver, of iron, of iron and clay, little stone, comes down, hits the feet, crumbles the whole thing down to chaff, blows away, nothing, little stone becomes huge mountain. Can everybody see it in your eyes, in your mind's eye, right? Okay, here we go. This is where it gets real. Oh, come on. Somebody say it's about to get real. That's the dream. And now I'm going to tell you what it means, your majesty. You are king over many kings. And the God of heaven has given you that supreme or that sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over all the inhabited world and has put even the animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold. <laughs> now, at first he's probably like, oh, yeah, oh, no. Right? Because for a minute he's like, yeah, I am the head of gold. Oh, oh, yeah, but what happened next? After your kingdom comes to an end... Another great kingdom inferior to yours will rise and take place. And after that kingdom has fallen, yet a third great kingdom represented by bronze, belly, and thighs will, rule, will rise to rule the world. Following that kingdom, there will be a fourth and great kingdom. And as you know, that's, that's Rome. As strong as iron, the kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and clay that showed that that kingdom is divided. And if you look in history, how Rome was crumbled, it came through divisions and factions within. This mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage. And you saw this happen. But this will not succeed just as iron and clay do not mix. During the reigns of those kings, God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Come on. No one will be able to conquer it. It will shatter all of these kingdoms to nothingness, and it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock. Cut not by, not by man, but by supernatural hands, crushing the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. Guys, the little rock is Jesus. I don't know if you realize that. The little rock is the Son of God, not made by man, but by the hand of God that is delivered from heaven and destroys not only Babylon, but the Medo Persian Empire, the Greek Empire that was Alex the Great, and then the Roman Empire. And when does Jesus come, by the way? Jesus comes in the middle of what? The Roman Empire. He's the little stone that came in a little. Pretend that's a manger, a little tiny manger. And he grew up in both favor of God and man. And he crushed every enemy at the cross. And now his kingdom rules forever and ever. And there's little Jesuses all over the world. So nobody can ever stop the kingdom of God that is Christ in you. Come on, are you getting this? I hope you hear this. He is the little rock that becomes a mountain that what? Fills the whole earth. This is why Joseph Gordon can come up here and tell you about times when he's in India or he's in the Himalayas or he's wherever he is and the rock, the mountain is filling the earth. He can tell people about Jesus and their hearts burn within them and they give their hearts to Christ. Why? Because Christ is not a mere man. He is the son of God. He is supreme over everything. He's the darling of heaven. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the son of God, the son of man, the bright and morning star. You're not getting it yet, so I'm going to come down and stare right at you. 
He is everything you've ever wanted, Brandon. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the bright and morning star. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. And he comes down and he hits this statue. Come on, he hits this statue, which, by the way, represents all four of the global powers. All four times that man tried to say, we are above all, God said, I'm sorry, you're not. God said, I'm sorry, you're not. I know you think you are, but this tiny little stone is going to come down. Anybody ever have a rock in your shoe? Come on, you just, and how many of you are like me? Sometimes you're just too lazy to even get it out. You know, it's like, how long does it take to just take your shoe off and just tip it upside down? But how many of you are like me, you're like, I'll just limp the whole day, you know? Anybody, you know, you go to work, what's wrong? You got a swagger. No, I got a stone in my shoe and I'm too stupid to take it out. That had nothing to do with my message and I apologize for that. But there is, there is Jesus who is the little stone that is delivered from heaven and he crushes every empire. Now, please nobody misunderstand my sermon and leave and just be like, he said take the capital. I did not say that. What I said is you can be like Daniel, respectful and wise and know that there are convictions that you have and you can have the courage to keep those convictions. Why? From a place of prayer. From a place of prayer. And you see, what the enemy does is I'm going to make a statue to intimidate you and to cause you to fear and to cause you to bow. And how many know the next chapter, Daniel 3, his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're told, bow down. They said, no, we won't. We will not bow down. You have to do this. We will not. Hear me, you have to do this or you will not be able to buy or sell. Please read Romans, uh, please read Revelation 13. We'll come back to it next week a little bit. Please church, read your Bible so you know what's coming. Please, church, read your Bible so you know what's coming. Please read Daniel 7. Please read Revelation um, 13. Please, Please read Matthew 24 and 25 so you know what's coming. I'm not saying it's here now. I'm saying it's coming. If you're not hearing me, I'm gonna come down and stare at you again. I'm not saying it's here. I'm saying it's coming. I'm not saying it's right now. No one's telling you to put this mark on your wrist or put this mark on your forehead, but let me tell you, it is coming. Scripture says it's coming. How many of you guys says Scripture says it's coming? I mean, do you believe the Bible? Okay, because we can't just take out portions of the Bible and say, well, that's a little intense. I don't like that part. We have to believe the whole thing. If you believe some of it, you have to believe all of it. And this is where we're going to land the plane in a minute. There's a lot of people who are double-minded. And James says there is no prayer that is going to come true for you if you are double-minded. If you say, I believe things about this. And then I change my view two minutes later. Listen, a double-minded man can expect to receive nothing from the Lord. Can I say it again? A double-minded man, I'm just reading scripture to you. I'm just quoting scripture to you. A double-minded man can expect to receive nothing from the Lord. So if you say, well, no, Pastor Jordan, I would never take the mark of the beast. I would never do that. I would never do that. 
But what if you're told, hey, you can't buy or sell without this. And if you're loving, you'll take it. If you're loving, you'll stop this. If you're loving, you'll take it. You see, I used to not understand. I hope you're hearing me. I used to not understand how many will be deceived. How many of you ever read Revelation 13 when it says, even the elect will be deceived? How many have ever read that and you thought, how? Anybody? I've always thought, how could they be deceived? Paul, how could they be deceived? I mean, if they're reading their Bible and if they're coming to a full gospel church that believes the whole Bible, how could they be? I've never understood that till this year. I've never understood it because, see, Satan, he's so crafty. I hate that punk. I just want to beat him up right now. I think we are beating him up. Come on. Satan will appeal. Please hear me. I feel the gift of, I feel the anointing of prophecy on me so strong. Please hear me. Satan will appear, appeal to your desire to look moral. Satan will appeal to your desire to look good. Isaiah 51 says it like this. In the last days, good will be called evil and evil will be called good. That's why you can have people living in in crazy situations and crazy choices. And you can have a preacher or a Christian say, hey, actually that's against the Bible. And what are you told? You're a bigot. You're evil. You, you are so mean. You are lacking love. Oh, I hope you're hearing me. And anytime someone tells you, if you will just be loving, you'll, can I, that's called manipulation. If someone tells you, you have to do this to be loving, that love, I don't tell my wife, you have to do this to be loving. How many, how many of y'all would lose your marriage? Like, to, like come on, Right? Is anybody married in here? Raise your hand. I hope you have never looked at your spouse and say, if you love me, you'll sweep the floor, honey. Dude, Don, how long would that go over? How long, right? If you love me, you'll bake me a meal. I'll slap him for you. Just tell me, women. Just, I'll just come on, I'll slap him in the face for you. But there is, and we're going to talk about this next week. There is a Jezebel spirit, I hope you're hearing me, on the earth right now that says, I'm going to manipulate to you and I'm going to control. And I'm going to tell you that you are not good unless you do what I say. That's what Jezebel did through Ahab. That's what Jezebel did to the kings and tried to do this to Elijah. And we'll talk about that next week, how to find courage. And this is how this unfolds. This is how this unfolds. I know some of you are like shocked this morning. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what, ha- I don't know what happened to Pastor Jordan. Some took over him. Listen, maybe so. Maybe the Holy Spirit took over. I'm believing that. I'm trusting that. And I, I'm humbly telling you that, look, I studied, I pray, and I've got a bunch of things I want to say, but I just want to pour out my heart to you and give you a big warning and say, listen, slow down. That's all I want to say slow down and get in the prayer closet and read your Bible. Are we running out of time? What's, what's, what does all that mean? They're all, get back on the stage, no problem. I was like, what? <laughs> they were all doing this. I was like, I don't know gang signs. I don't know. Melanie's back there, blood, grips. No, she didn't do that. I exaggerated a little. She's just going like this. I thought you were in like a rap video. I was going to, 
I'm just going to drop the beat. Okay. Stay right here for the video. Sorry. Those of you that are watching online, I am so sorry. You just, like, literally pulled all the muscles in your neck as you were probably turning left to right. I sincerely apologize. Man, I'm on page four, guys. Come on. This is going to be a 25-part series. No, it won't. Look, how, how do you know what's going to happen on a global scale? Read your Bible. How do you know how to treat your boss at work tomorrow? Read your Bible. You say, Pastor Jordan, can't be that simple. Yes, it is. Go to the Lord and pray every day and read your Bible. And there's a couple of fears as we close. <laughs> I'll try to close. A couple of fears I want you to have the courage to confront. Number one, fear of going first. Number two, I'm not going to expound on these. I don't have time. Fear of the unknown. Number three, fear of being rejected. You know, Haslaw's Law, we've been in foster care ongoing classes. And in, in that law, you've got this need, right, for safety, for food, for shelter. But you know what's like next after that? It's acceptance. It's, it's love. It's to be accepted. And so we all want to be accepted. How many guys want to be, just acknowledge that reality. You want to be accepted. You don't want to be the one standing, rejected. So we all have that. And how about this one, a fear of wasted effort. Now, my, my, my voice doesn't matter. I'm not going to get any return on this investment, so I'm just not going to. So let me go through those again. Fear of going first. Fear of the unknown, fear of being rejected, and fear of wasted effort. Turning your Bibles to 1 Peter 1, 3 through 8, I asked Paul to read these, uh, a couple of these during the uh, worship time. And I, I want to read this to you because what do we do in the face of trials? And we're going to go to the New Testament for the last couple of minutes. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up and we're going to close here in a minute. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. How many has been born again? Amen. Amen. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. How many have been grieved in the last year? Come on. How many have been grieved in the last couple of months? I have. How many guys have been grieved just watching the, the chaos in Afghanistan? That has grieved me. You see parents, you know, trying to get their kids out. That grieves. It grieves us, right? In this, still rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved. So that the testing of genuine, so that tested genuous of your faith. More precious than gold that perishes through is tested by fire. Guys, can you look up here for a second? I would love to just tell you the Christian walk is really easy, but it's just not what Jesus said. 
I would love to tell you that if you just put your faith in Jesus, everything's gonna be all right. Just a big Bob Marley song. But it's not. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. If they hated me, they're gonna hate you. And I love, and, and I hope you're here, I hope you're hearing me. I'm encouraging you. I'm letting you know though that your courage and your excitement and your joy comes for the place that you're going, not the place that you are. And some Christians, that's why they give up on their faith. It's because they've been sold a lie. They've been sold a lie that all of their happiness and all their dreams comes true here on earth. No, I'm sorry, it doesn't. All of your joy and all your, the sense of meaning and fulfillment of your heart comes in heaven, the place Jesus has prepared for you. You get a taste of it now, and that's what you feel that this morning as we worship together. But look at this, that you may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's the little stone, right? Though you have not seen him, you love him. How many love Jesus? How many have ever seen Jesus face to face? I haven't, but how many love him? Come on, one more time. Look around the room. How many have ever seen Jesus face to face? I haven't. But how many love him? Look around the room. And this is multiple millions of people across the globe. Love Jesus, this little stone that become a mountain. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow, I want to read this to you from James. I referenced it a minute ago. James 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That is hard. How many of you guys have ever faced a trial and you're like, I do not count this joy? Right? But why do we count it joy? Look at this. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete. You see, what you don't realize God is doing to you in the furnace is he's purifying you and making you complete because without the furnace, you're not gonna be purified. Lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God generously. He gives without reproach. I share this scripture to my staff all the time. I say, when someone calls you and they, they call, often, you know, someone says, Pastor, what do I do? And sometimes it's right in the Bible and it's clear what to do. But I gotta be honest with you, about 70% of the time, it's not written in stone. It's not written in the Bible. And you have to say, you know what? I'm gonna pray with you and I'm gonna ask that you ask the Holy Spirit and he's gonna give you wisdom. How many of you guys realize that's what, the word, that's what the word says? John 17 says he will give you all the wisdom. He will lead you into all truth, reminding you everything about Jesus, everything Jesus says, the way of Jesus. Let him ask in faith, not doubting. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. And some of you, I believe you're gonna repent today. You're gonna need to repent for being double-minded, unstable in all his ways. 
Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation because like the flower of the grass, he passes away. The sun rises in its scorching heat. It withers the grass and the flower falls. The beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. But blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Blessed is the man, hear that, who remains steadfast, who has courage under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. You're going to receive the crown of life. Can you just bow your head, just close your eyes, just picture this. If you already love Jesus and you serve Jesus, there is a crown of life coming for you. Even if another Christian disagrees with you on something, it's okay. There's a crown of life coming your way. There's a crown of life, and I want to remind you this morning, one day you will not stand before a man, but you will stand before the Son of Man. You will not stand before a man, a friend that tells you what to do. You will not stand before a governor, before a president, before a king. You will stand before the Son of Man and the Son of God. And there he will define whether you are righteousness. And that righteousness is not defined in all of your actions and in all of your pursuits, but it is defined whether you have accepted the grace of God, whether you have looked to Jesus, whether you with your, your face saying, God, I focus on who Jesus is. I focus on his finished work, not my work. I focus on what he did, not what I do. That's how you are made righteous and you will stand before the Son of God and you'll give an account. And it is going to be hard at times. It's gonna be challenging to keep your courage in a culture that's gonna keep telling you, if you don't listen, I had teenagers telling me a few months back, if my friends are telling me if I don't make the, the, my, my Instagram totally black, then I am a racist today. My friends are telling me if I don't say hashtag love wins during gay pride month, this is last June. If I don't post that, then I am a hateful bigot. Teenagers, listen to me. Being courageous and standing for truth does not make you hateful. It makes you righteous. It makes you, God is proud of you when you stand by your convictions. And you will not stand before that friend one day at judgment seat. You'll stand before Jesus. Come on. And adults, I'm telling you, there, there's going to come a time. Again, I'm not saying it's right now. It might be five years from now. It might be 10 years from now. It might be five months from now. I don't know. But there will come a time. I believe there will come a time in America like you see throughout the rest of the world. Right? I will say, hey, you need, to, you need to give up that allegiance to Jesus. And you need to do X, Y, Z. Or you can't do this. You can't buy or sell. You can't keep your job. You can't do this. And you're going to have to make a choice. And guys, that's hard. But you know what I want to tell you? Make the choice now so the choice isn't hard then. Can I, can, I can I tell you something? Make the choice now so the choice isn't hard then. I remember telling teenagers that a month before prom. Come on, somebody. Right? I used to say, listen, if you wait till prom night to decide if you're going to stay abstinent, it's going to be a difficult choice for you. 
But if you make the choice now to be a man of God and you choose now, you know who you are now, it's gonna be easier to make the choice later. Put up that last screen and then we're gonna stand. In fact, everybody stand. Put up the screen with the infographic I made with a circle. It's got three concentric circles on it. This is something I've told you guys before. I included this in a sermon about two years ago, but I just wanna reference it right here. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know your identity, then you define yourself by one of two things. Your abilities, your gifts, your title. So then a title's taken away from you and then you don't know who you're, what your identity is. You go through a new season and with every new season comes new challenges. And with those new challenges, now you're stressed and you're beside yourself because why? You haven't defined your value by sonship, by identity, by being loved by Father God. And by the way, that never changes. Your season will change. Next year is gonna have new challenges. This fall might have new challenges for you at work. In the school year, all of you who are in a high school or grade school, would you just raise your hand real quick if you're in school? Raise your hand, yeah. Look, it's gonna have new challenges. Some of you, you're going to go off to college soon. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be professors that say, well, hey, actually, Christianity is dumb, and you can't prove it. You can't prove that it's correct. And you're going to have to go, oh, man, what do I believe? Who am I? Apart from my, what my parents said, apart from what my pastor said, do I believe this? Do I believe that my identity is that I'm a child of God, that I'm fully forgiven and that my righteousness doesn't come in my works. Oh, please hear me. My righteousness comes through what? Christ alone, right? Through Christ alone. We're gonna sing this song again. Can we just say, give me faith? Can we ask God to give us courage this morning? And then I'm gonna lead, give you an opportunity to accept Christ after we sing this chorus for a few minutes. Because if some of you might be feeling like, man, I don't even know if I've given my heart to Christ. I'm gonna give you a moment to pray about that. Let's sing this together. Give me faith to trust what you say. Then you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside, I give you my life. Sing that again, believers, children of God, brothers and sisters. Ask God, give me faith, Lord. Give me faith to trust what you say. Then you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside, I give you my life. Would you just bow your heads? If you're here today or you're online and you're watching and you feel God speaking to you, you may not even know it's God, but you feel like your heart is pounding and that you need a change and that you need to surrender to this God that you heard about today. You need to surrender to this Jesus that you heard about who is the little stone that was delivered from heaven. You see, Jesus came. He died in your place after teaching us how to live. He died in your place 
And he not only died for you, he died as you. A criminal's death so that you could be forgiven and you could be made his brother or sister, a child of God. And your hope, your peace can now come in being a child of God. If you want to accept Jesus as Lord and King of your life and get that peace that we're talking about, a peace that comes but from heaven, knowing you're going to go to heaven, knowing you're forgiven. If you know you need that salvation and forgiveness of your sins, would you raise your hand nice and high right now? Would you raise your hand nice and high? And give you just another minute. I know I think I even know most of you, but there might be somebody here I can't see. So raise your hand nice and high. If you know you need to give your life to Jesus. Amen. I see a rededication. It's beautiful. Mm, thank you, Lord. I see a couple hands slipped up, almost like a rededication, because I know you love the Lord. People have your hands up. Can we all pray this uh, prayer of, of uh, rededication before we sing this again? Dear Father, forgive me for lacking courage at times. Forgive me for succumbing to fear and feeling like I can't speak up for my faith in you. If I have any intimidation, come on, say this with me, church. If I have any intimidation against this Babylon spirit, forgive me and fill me with faith. Fill me with love that drives out fear. Fill me with your love that drives out fear. Fear of consequences. Fear of the unknown. Fear of going first. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Recommit my life to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Will, can we sing that chorus again? Give me faith. Give me faith to trust when you say that you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside. I give you my God, we give you our lives. Lord, we know that right now we're not even being tested anywhere near like many Christians across the world are being tested. Some Christians across the world are imprisoned for their faith. Some Christians across the world are even martyred for their faith. So God, awaken us today to the courage that we need to actually pick up our cross and follow you. Give us courage that one day we know that there will be harder decisions as we get closer to your return, Jesus. So give us wisdom. Come on, pray this with me. Say, give us, give us wisdom and give us courage. 
Can we say that again? God, give us wisdom, but also give us courage. Thank you for Rock of Grace. Thank you for this church, this uh, body of believers that can encourage one another and help navigate. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I give one last, I know I've already talked too long. Can I give one last, whatever it's called, piece of wisdom or instruction or something, whatever you want to call it? The closer you get to um, the end times, the more you're, you're going to um, interpret scriptures differently. Please do me a favor, not me a favor, please don't write off another Christian if they interpret something differently than you. Because come on, how often do you hear me preach about love? 1 Corinthians 13. And I know some of you get, you get passionate about certain things, and I do too. But listen, love, come on, love. Everybody say love. Love is it's at the highest. So if you're in a life group and someone says, well, I just don't see it that way, don't be like, well, you got to leave. You say that, I'm coming to your house. I will, I will find you. This pastor will find you, and I will hurt you now. I will hurt you, man. It's okay if sometimes someone sees something differently than you, but but like Daniel, just respect their decision, you know, and go to your, your prayer closet and you pray it through and you decide what the Holy Spirit tells you. Can we all agree with that? Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You. Amen? Bless you. See you guys. Love you. when you say that you're good your love is great I'm broken inside I give you my life oh I give you my life I give you my life